and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad that you are listening in today. As God's people, we are concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. Ah, well, we need to be honest about ourselves, and here's a little joke about honesty. There was a rancher who was asking a veterinarian for some advice about a horse he had. He said, I have a horse that walks normally sometimes and limps sometimes. What should I do? The veterinarian looked at him, smiled, and said, the next time he's walking normally, sell that horse. Oh, what terrible advice that is. It's not very honest, is it? But it can be tempting to do the same thing about ourselves. We might call it putting our best foot forward or playing to our strengths. It's human nature to want to shine the spotlight in areas of our lives where we walk with confidence and to hide our limps. And every one of us has a limp, whether it's a limp of unsureness or weakness or hardship or a deep wound that we carry, even our sin nature, and definitely our sin nature, we all have a side to ourselves that we are tempted to downplay and to hide. We like to emphasize our success, our strength, our ability, all that we have done. Today, we're going to read two simple stories in the Bible— One about an overconfident scribe and the other about an almost unnoticed widow. Jesus warns us, Be careful how you seek significance and how you assign significance. If we are not careful, we can chase a sense of success and worth that feels very potent. It feels very immediate, but it is very hollow. But there is a way that is available to every one of us, no matter how unsure or how insignificant we might feel. But to walk this way, we must be honest about ourselves. Let's read the text. It's in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. Actually, it's verses 38 through 44. And it reads like this. It's talking about Jesus, and it said, In his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make about a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they have all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything that she had, all she had to live on. It is so easy to read these stories and say, oh, okay, I get it. I understand. Don't be power hungry like the scribe and have humility like the widow. It's, it's easy to read these stories and, and respond in that fashion. And it's a good lesson, one we could spend our entire lives working on. 
But I'll tell you, if you read these stories and hear that you need to work on improving self, on, on improving yourself, you are missing the message of dependency in this story. There is a dependency upon God in this story. See, there's a lot more going on in these tales. Jesus is asking his disciples to take notice of these people. He wants his followers to rethink why they value certain people over others. He wants us to realize that we are the scribe, we are the widow. Now, we may say that we should avoid one and mimic the other, but we often get them confused. And before we know it, we start valuing and mimicking the scribe and we stop noticing the widow again. And that's because we tend to avoid what makes us uncomfortable. It's easy to say, be humble like the widow, give sacrificially like the widow, trust like the widow. But in the end, we don't really want to be the widow. If we become poor like the widow, if we suffer loss like the widow of a loved one, if we have a loss of income, if we have a loss of influence, if we have a loss of security for the future, it's all uncomfortable stuff that none of us really wants. But the widow is praised by Jesus, not simply because of her sacrificial gift, but because she is completely aware that she has no power or ability to change her life. She knows that all of that power to bring about change in her life resides in God. So, we have two simple stories, one about a scribe and one about a poor widow. And we need to realize that we are both. We are the scribe, we are the poor widow. And the question becomes, will you and I ever be honest about our role as a scribe and our role as a widow? Until we are honest, we cannot receive the value uh, the, we cannot truly receive from God what he has for us. We've got to be honest about the dangerous parts of us that are like those scribes, and we've got to be honest about our dependency, about our struggle, so that we know that we can't fix it on our own like the widow. We've got to depend upon the power of God. So let's take a few moments and look at these two people, the scribe and the widow, and dig into them and figure out who they are and see ourselves in them. Let's begin with the scribe. So we have the scribe, and it's immediately obvious that this is a negative character. At least we know that it's a negative character because Jesus warns us, beware of the scribes. You don't say that unless you want someone to be cautious and go, okay, I need to look for the bad things here. But let's be careful because Jesus doesn't say beware of all scribes, but instead Jesus lists some qualities he says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around with long robes, who receive greetings in the marketplaces, who have the best seats in the synagogues and are awarded seats of honor at banquets, and they devour the widows' houses, and they pray for others to hear. Jesus identifies these scribes as liking. They take special joy, special pride, special pleasure, value, and significance in the, uh, their accomplishments and in their position. It's not wrong for them to have special clothes, to receive recognition or an honored seat. But there is a problem when they find their worth in that recognition. 
And here's some things we learn about these scribes, these dangerous scribes. They go to great lengths to receive special recognition, not from God, but from those around them. These scribes are people of authority in Israel. They're specialists in God's word. They're well-trained. They are revered and respected. They've earned a position of importance, and they have an intelligence about them as they dig into God's word and help lead Israel through God's word and understanding how to live as God's people. But instead of getting their significance from God, they're getting their significance from the adulation, from the approval of the people around them. Jesus tells us that they like to walk around in long robes. We don't really know what these robes are or were. Some say they are robes with really long tassels on the ends, with knots in them that signify how skilled they are at knowing the Bible. The bigger the tassel, the longer the tassel, the more skilled. Some believe the the long robes were an excessive decorative garment worn so that it was impossible to work. Couldn't run in them, couldn't do work in them. And when you wear these robes, when they they wore the robes, they were showing that others should work for them because of their importance. Still others who tried to dig in and find out what these robes were just simply said, well, they're probably expensive clothing that set them apart. You know, and sometimes we use the phrase in our culture today, dress to impress, Right to get the approval of others, to show how powerful you are. They're going to great lengths to get special recognition. Now, while we should care about our appearance, you know, that's good. We ought to be careful how much of our significance we tie to our our appearance, to the approval others give us over how we look. So when we do that, this puts confidence in ourselves, in our abilities, in our beauty, instead of in God. The other big, te- big detail about the scribes' efforts to impress is given to us at the end about their long prayers. The key is, is those prayers are given for the benefit of others, to impress others. Have you ever had a moment when you were worried about what others would think of when you prayed out loud? You were worried, oh, I might not have the right words. Other people might laugh at me. I might feel foolish in front of others. That's a moment when you might be thinking about the significance others give you instead of what God sees in you. So in their clothes and in their prayers, these scribes are going to great lengths to receive special recognition. They're making efforts to get that recognition. But then we see that in those efforts, they are measuring their worth by human recognition and not God's recognition. In this story, Jesus mentions the scribe as cherishing the special greetings they're getting in the marketplace. Ah, there's the important scribe. We see him. We greet him. It's wonderful to have him here today. They take special pride in getting the best seats in the synagogue, the worship service for the Jewish people and getting seats of honor at the banquet. Simply put, these scribes are measuring themselves by public recognition. And this is dangerous, because public recognition is potent. It feels wonderful. We all want to belong. We all want others to like us and approve of us. Public recognition feeds this desire. But public recognition is limited. A crowd can be hard to please, and their applause is momentary. Public approval does not hold a candle to an eternity of God's favor, and yet how quickly we can trade the favor of God for the adulation of people around us. 
Perhaps one of the most obvious places today that we seek public approval is in social media. So many of us measure how great of a day we had or how wonderful of an experience we had based on how many people liked it when we posted it, how many people shared it, how many people subscribed to us to see what we're doing next. And yeah, likes, shares, and subscribers can make us feel good, but they're not a healthy way to measure our worth. Where are you trying to find your significance? Are you trying to find it in social media? Are you trying to find it in your career, your accomplishments, your families? Hmm. Families are a tough place to find significance because nothing is so difficult to overcome than the disapproval of a family member. But God's approval, His value of us, can help us to overcome the disapproval of a family member. God's approval is a steady rock that we can stand on where the approval of, 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 where the approval of others will wane. Last thing about the scribes, which is interesting. They, they go to great lengths to uh, seek out the approval of others. They put efforts forth. They find their worth in the approval of others. And then once they've gone to these lengths and they get the approval, they use that recognition to mistreat others. It's the strangest part of the story because we're told that the scribes, they devour the houses of widows. What a strange phrase. Hmm. The scribes have turned their existence, their significance, into a license to take advantage of others. We're not told how they took widows' houses. Perhaps it was from the widows paying the very offerings in the temple that we read about today. Perhaps it's the scribes using their authority and asking widows to make contributions. They devour their houses. They take advantage over those who do not have their power. It's easy to say, don't be like the scribes. We can read the story and go, I, we shouldn't be like these people. They're, they're terrible. But Jesus wants to be honest. Because we can all look for significance in the wrong places. And if we, receive, if we refuse to be honest, we cannot receive a change. Now, Let's look at the widow. So Jesus sits down in the temple at a location where the crowds gather to place their offerings in offering boxes. They're these boxes that are shaped like trumpets, like a shofar, a, a horn, a ram's horn. Um, there is a place in the temple that these were put. There are 13 of these offering boxes. This would have likely been in the women's court. Uh, it's at a place that is called the, the Gate Beautiful. Uh, these offering boxes were there. Each one was designated for a certain type of payment. One was for the half-shekel temple tax that every man had to pay. Some were for expensive offerings, other for small offerings like this widow's offering. Uh, it was thought that this was a spot in the temple that was actually a tourist attraction because it was so noisy and the, the flash of, of gifts and offerings going into the temple. Travelers would gather to watch people toss their offerings into the boxes. You can begin to see how it could become a place where you go if you want the approval of others. And so Jesus is sitting there watching a scene where the rich are throwing impressive offerings into these uh offering boxes, and they're loud. They're attention-getters. Everybody notices these offerings. 
But Jesus notices a poor widow, and she places in two small copper coins. You may have heard of these coins called, you might have heard them called mites. You might have heard someone just simply say they're like two pennies. The term here for this coin is a lepton. It's the smallest coin made for use in Israel, in in the Greek world, in the Roman world. It's a little confusing to get just right uh, what these two small coins were worth. But however you look at it, they weren't worth very much. Some would say they're worth uh, a fraction of a denarius. A denarius is one day's wage. And some people believe that a uh, mite, a lepton, would have been worth one sixty-fourth of a denarius. So one sixty-fourth of a day's wage is the value of a, a lepton. Not very much. Others uh, would say that each mite or each lepton is worth just a fraction of a penny. But regardless of the exact worth that we're assigning to uh, the lepton or the mite, what we're told is, is it's a tiny, tiny, tiny offering that once put in the box would be lost with all the other coins. And we're given a picture where the offering could get lost in the box and the widow is lost in the crowd. No one notices. By all, by all accounts, she is insignificant, but she is seen by Jesus. And he describes her gift as good, but because it was a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice because it's all she had to live on. This offering, well, she would miss it as soon as it was given. She would feel the need for that money immediately. In contrast, Jesus tells us there are wealthy that are giving tremendous gifts, but they aren't going to miss them. They're giving out of their abundance. What are you giving to God? Are you giving him what you will miss? Or are you giving him what you will never notice? I know that we, we often associate uh, offerings with money, and that's rightly so. But I also contend that we can give God our time, our talents, even our will. Do you give God time you cannot spare? Do you give God talent that you need for other tasks? Do you give Him your will that you would rather keep for yourself to accomplish your own purposes? It's a sacrifice because it'll be missed. Beyond the sacrifice, the widow also displays trust. The widow does not uh, know where her next meal comes from. She's given her last bit of money. There's not money left to purchase any food. Perhaps her house is one that was devoured by a scribe. We don't know, but perhaps it is. And she's trusting that an offering that she put into the offering box, those two leptons, will be used well, and that they won't be used to just align the pockets of greedy scribes, of the one Jesus warns about. You know, sometimes we try to give to God, but we give while we also withhold our trust. We need to be willing to give God, give to God, and to trust God with the gift. Another quality about the widow's offering is it showed dependency. The widow's offer was an act of powerlessness. Nothing about her offering spoke of her ability. Every inch of that offering declared that God is her everything. This is the opposite of the offerings of the rich. This is the opposite of the actions of the scribes we saw in the first story. 
They are depending on themselves. They're giving out of their own ability. The scribe is proud of their accomplishments, but she gives out of her utter dependency upon God. And lastly, she gives with gratitude. Now, it's not telling us that she's giving with gratitude, but I see it there in the way the story is written. There's worship in her offering. She doesn't have to give, but she does anyway. There's gratitude there. She could have given and complained. She could have decided to withhold her gift until God started turning her life around. She could have given and demanded a blessing from God. But what we're told is she gave a gift, all that she had, and Jesus counted it as the greatest of all offerings given there. There is every sense that what she gives, she gives out of love for God. Gratitude changes her gift, and gratitude can change your giving. We can see in the poor widow attributes that we can want to mimic. Let me start over with that thought. I need to get your attention here. Because we can talk about the scribe and go, yeah, we don't want to be the scribe, and we might not be honest about how we can be like that scribe wanting to make a puff up our own significance. And we can see in this poor widow attributes that we can want to mimic. Oh, yeah, I, I want to show that trust. I want to show that sacrifice. I want to show dependence. I want to show gratitude. But none of us really want to be the poor widow because she's experienced loss and grief and pain. Her life was altered when her husband died. Her future was changed because her security and financial well-being were tied to her husband. Her authority was tied to her husband, and now that's all different. She's powerless, voiceless. She has uncertainty filling her life. She is full of hurt and grief, and who knows how long she's been a widow. Who wants that? I know many listening are widows. None of us want that type of struggle in our lives, but all of us will experience some form of that struggle. You might be a widow. You might be a single parent. You may have lost a precious loved one. You might be a cancer patient. You may have had your job taken or lost. You may have had your health taken, your future taken from you. You may have had dreams shattered. You, whatever it is, you can experience, we all experience for certain, some level of pain and grief and helplessness. In that moment, we have a choice. We can choose to be honest about our struggle and our need, or we can become bitter about our struggle. And then when we become bitter, we let the struggle define our significance instead of letting God define our worth. Every one of us lives with what our culture would call religious devotion. The question is, what are we devoted to? We can be devoted to God We can be devoted to our pain. We can be devoted to our sadness. We can be devoted to ourselves, to fear, to our families, to politics, or any issue of our day. What are you devoted to? Jesus wants us to rightly place our devotion in God. 
This is where real significance and blessing is found. I have one last warning for us to consider. Because both of these stories about the scribe and the widow, in both of those, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's not trying to change the scribe. He's not even really necessarily changing the circumstances of the widow's life. But he is trying to change how the disciples assign worth to others. And so Jesus is asking his church to value people differently than our world values them. All over this planet, people are scrambling for significance. All over this planet, people are rewarding talent, work ethics, and accomplishments. Our society values the exceptional. And we hope that if we're near someone who's exceptional, they'll rub off on us. We'll get a little bit of what they have. We fail to notice the least among us. And if we do, we only pity them. None of us say, I hope they rub off on me. As the church, we should actively work to value all people and to show them their significance in God's kingdom and invite them to be a powerful part of that kingdom, to let them rub off on us. That's a part of who we are as the Friends Church. The Friends, Quakers, one of our foundations is we believed in everyone being made in the image of God. And as such, we saw that everyone was to be specially valued and seen as important. And so in our history, we have all kinds of things that we've done as Quakers, as friends. We were the first Christian group to collectively condemn slavery. We elevated women in ministry. We treated all people as equal. Many early Quakers went to prison because they refused to show special respect to judges and royalty by taking their hats off to them. I mean, can you imagine going to prison because you didn't take your hat off to someone? But early Quakers did because they wanted to treat everyone equally, not some as more special than others. Yeah, early Quakers, early friends, were guilty of treating the homeless the same as a king. We would do well to live like that, treating all as precious in God. And so Jesus, he's asking his disciples to change how they see people. Would you be willing to change how you see others? One last bit, because there's a portion of this story that's talking about receiving God's provision, being blessed. And we cannot receive that provision. We cannot enter into the presence of God until we are honest about ourselves, about who we are, and until we are willing to be dependent upon God. And so, Alexander McLaren writes these words about the importance of recognizing our dependence on God for all that we have. And I think they're good words for us to think upon and end with. So, Alexander McLaren writes these words, Up to the very edge, we are driven before he puts out his hand to help us. It is best for us that we should be brought to desperation, to say, My foot slips! And then just as our toes feel the ice, help comes, and His mercy holds us up. At that last moment, never before it, never until we have discovered how much we need it, and never too late, at that moment comes the Helper. If we want our needs supplied, our weakness strengthened, and wisdom to dispel our perplexity— we must be where all the provision is stored. If a man chooses to sit outside the provision shop, he may starve on its threshold. If a woman will not go into the bank, her pockets will remain empty through, though there may be 
be bursting vaults to which she has a right. And if we will not ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place by simple faith, God's amplest provision will be nothing to us and will be empty in the midst of affluence. Some thoughts to ponder there. Yeah. We are dangerous scribes and we are helpless widows until we are honest about our precariousness and our need for God, we cannot move forward with God. Will you see that need today? Let's pray. God, help us to see ourselves clearly. Show us the dangerous places we go to to feel important and help us to leave them behind. Forgive us of this empty pursuit that we often chase in life for meaning. And help us to realize we are as much in as much need as the widow. Help us to trust in you. Help us to put our faith in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.